Good morning, church. I'm so glad that we're gathering online again. I'm really excited because in two more weeks, we'll be moving into the hybrid model where some of you will be present that I'm not only preaching to the, the helpers, but actually the church in person. And I'm really excited. It's been a long time. From March to now, um, it's been, a, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been almost seven months in, uh, since I've seen people here as a congregation. So we're really excited that's going to happen. But there are a lot of things that we need to learn and adjust to. So number one, I'll ask that you remember that to pray as we move forward to that. But in the meantime, before we even get to SDAC's need, I'd like to remind you that there are a lot of people who are around us who are still in dire needs. The Scripture challenges us for those of us who claim to love God is to embrace His acts of love to those that, is around, to those that are around us. God never says that He needs our love back for Himself. He doesn't need our tithe and offering for Himself. But He asks us to give so that it can be shared to those who are in need. So next up, I'm going to show you a little video on the paid forward that's happening on the 15th of November. And let the, I'll let the video tell you what we're trying to do as a conference. Low-income families are the hardest hit during this COVID-19 pandemic. Those barely scraping through during the ordinary times are struggling to put food on their table as they face reduced income and layoffs. But thanks to kind donors in previous years, Pay Forward is able to consistently deliver help to many of these low-income families since 2009. To date, our programs has been able to provide benefits to almost 5,400 low-income residents and 169 families by providing them with free meals, with food hampers, with grocery vouchers, and even regular health screening. But as the pandemic drags on, we need to ramp up our support. And this year, in November 15, we plan to benefit 700 low-income families with a $50 NTUC voucher and also $30 worth of personal care items and healthy food items. We will be distributing your gift to those in need for those staying in Yuhua, Momin, Gelang Sirai, and even Topayo East. Additionally, we will be providing support to distressed domestic workers living in shelters. If you have been blessed in any small way, I urge you, forward your blessing to those in need. What's more, every dollar that you give counts because it will be doubled by a government matching fund. Send a blessing. Pay for today. As you've heard in the video, what we're doing will be doubled. Whatever we're donating to help those who are in need, the government's going to match it a dollar for dollar. So do know whatever you're giving, the, that you'll be multiplied and it may be multiplied even more by the Lord to help those who are in need. It's easy as we move towards phase three to think things are getting back to normal, 
But do remember that a lot of people have lost their jobs. Their livelihood has been changed and turned upside down. And there are a lot of people around us who still needs the church to be the church in the neighborhood. So I ask for you to remind yourself, remember to pray about this, and to move forward with um, helping them. Well, next up, I'm going to talk about resuming our hybrid service. It's going to resume for sure. And today, the announcement is that we are indeed restarting physical services from the 7th of November onwards. It's going to be a hybrid service. We're going to restart. We're going to slowly move back. And thank God for the past five days, there's been zero community cases. But let us not take it for granted. Let us not, you know, just start to think that everything's over. We still have to tread forward carefully. And the church sticks to this principle of trying to protect our community. So we're trying to be careful. We're going to learn from the experiences. So we ask that you help us as we come together to meet again. So a few things that is really strict in my opinion, but we have to follow in the beginning. And as the government relaxes some of these rules, we will remove some of these these uh, restrictions, and hopefully, I heard that there's a rumor that we may be able to even resume live worship leading when the congregation gathers. But as of today, there's no such announcement yet. So a few things. First of all, the service will start on the dot at 11 o'clock because there's still a lot of you who are going to be watching this online via the live stream. So we have to remember that there's the people who are coming here and there's people who are at home. So we will continue to stick to the 11 o'clock time to be punctual and start on the dot for our live stream. So everybody has to be seated. But you cannot come too early as they don't really want us to congregate. And, you know, the fact is you can't socialize or interact when you come. So there's no point coming early because uh, we will not let you talk to each other as of now. So we, I encourage you to come here earliest at about 10.50 a.m., to go through the registration, the checks, the, the, the temperature taking, the trace together, uh, check in, and then you'll be seated uh, immediately, and then we have to keep quiet and get ready for the live stream to start. There'll be no interaction or socializing during the service. You, you shouldn't really be doing that anyway, right? During church, you know, I know you're, you talk a little bit during church, but when we have everybody coming back, we're not sure that some are more vulnerable, so we have to protect them, so we're going to cease all interaction and socializing during service. And there'll be no food allowed on the premise before or after, right? I know it's kind of awkward because the service ends at around 12 o'clock, it's lunchtime, and usually when we come to church, we, we expect potluck. But uh, as of now, no food on premise. You're not allowed to even bring your own food and just eat by yourself. Uh, and definitely no sharing of food. So I'm sorry to tell you that if you are going to eat, you may have to walk over to McRitchie or somewhere else to have your food, but there's no food allowed on premise. And, and also the thing that I really hope that, that it will be removed and relaxed, the rules, that there'll be no singing, no singing during the service. What we'll do for the worship is we'll be showing you videos of worship leading, and you can at the most hum along. Uh, trust me, I'm going to try to make the service interactive in ways that we're allowed to, and I'm thinking on that, but there's no live sing allowed as of today. And so you can hum along as you watch the video during the live sing, uh, the worship part. Uh, and the service will be shortened. It may be even shorter than what we're having it now. We, we lengthen it a little bit to bring back the norms, but when people start coming back, we are required to shorten it to as short as possible, and we'll look at what that means. 
And straight after service, you'll be released uh, in groups of five. And once you're released, you have to leave the, the pyramids as soon as possible. So if you're ordering a grab, if you are, uh, your family member's picking you up, you will have to order it here. And then when you grab here, then you move out as we're going to let those who are leaving by public transport to leave first so that they can clear the premise. And then those of you who have to wait for transport will leave a little bit later to allow your transport to arrive on site. So those are the rules. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain again uh, next week as we move closer to the actual date. So do note these dates. And also for those who are helping your parents or those that you know who have no internet access, who are unable to, to hear this announcement, please take note on their behalf. We'll also be having a team of helpers to call them up, uh, whoever we know, to call them up to see whether they are interested to come back and help them register for those who can't have access to the internet or all those things, right? But so do note that you're open on the 1st of November at 9 a.m. The registration will open 9 a.m. on 1st of November and it will close at 11.59 for those who went to NS2359 uh, on 5th of November, Thursday night, all right? So the, the registration will be open for this period of time, 1st of November to 5th of November, and then it will be closed. So if you did not register, I'm, I'm sorry, you will not be able to enter on the 7th of November. Even if you come, and if you check our records, if you did not register, we are sorry, we'll have to turn you away. All right, those are the rules we have to follow. And so next Sabbath, we will be having our first baptism of the year. It's been a while. We actually have a few people who actually wanted to be baptized. Um, then COVID hit, and then we have to put it on pause. But next year, we're going to slowly restart. We're going to test it out. What's going to happen is it's actually going to be uh, not live. You won't see it live next Sabbath. You're going to hear them uh, share their vows uh, live. And then the actual baptism will be done in the afternoon. We'll be recording that. And we'll be showing you the video of the baptism and the testimony the following Sabbath when we resume the hybrid service on the 7th of November. So please pray for them. David and Daisy are the ones that will be baptizing next Sabbath. So pray for them as they prepare their testimony. I think they're a little bit nervous as they are not used to speaking in public. So do pray for them and we thank God that they've made the decision to do so. I'll let you hear more about them from their own testimony and from their Bible teachers. Alright, so today before I go into my sermon, I'd like to invite you to close your eyes and pray with me again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to be with us no matter where we are. We ask for your spirit to soften our hearts as we listen. And God, may the words that are spoken today be words that we need to hear. And Lord, may you take away words that, that, that I want to speak that is not useful. And may you let them hear words that I did not speak that they need to hear. So we summit this time of going to your word to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title today is called Restore My Soul. He Restores My Soul. It's based upon a very famous uh, verse in the Bible or a, a scripture in the Bible, a passage in the Bible, Psalm 23. A lot of us have to memorize that for our Pathfinder honor or as part of junior class or cradle girl. Cradle was a bit hard, right? And then or for primary class. Some of you, you know, do it because you really like what the, the, the chapters say, the Psalms say. You know, this week has been, uh, this two weeks, this past two weeks has been a little hard for me because one of the, the professors that I'm studying my doctorate with um, went through a, a, a transition. 
And what happened is he's somebody that I really respect. He's a very successful pastor, a very kind person, and he was very kind to me when I first flew over to the States for my first intensive. And what I learned is that he was actually fired from his position as a pastor. So he was very courageous. He was very bold. He actually shared that news with us personally himself. And I was really shocked because, you know, the books that he asked us to read, who he is as a person that I know, was like, wow, he's a good pastor. But yet, when I heard the news, I, I, I was really sad. You know, I could, I could say that I went through a grieving process because I realized that, hey, this person that I respect has, to, has, has fallen, has fallen. I know he's going to get back up, but this process it was a time that I have to uh, process my feelings and my emotions and my thoughts. And I could say that uh, the soul, my soul was affected by this incident. Uh, and, and, and as he seeks to, to share with us his journey, we'll be learning more about what's happening. And it reminds me that as human, we're so vulnerable, or we're so weak, you know, as human, that, that a lot of us will experience a lot of things that is very unexpected, and we will even act out uh, certain things that may seem really shocking and surprising to others that, that people may not realize, and we ourselves may not realize that we're doing those things. But that's the consequence of a soul that's been affected by sin. In our world today, sin can beset us in various ways. Our souls can be affected, and some of you may, may at this point realize that your soul has been affected by these past few months. This COVID has brought about certain fears and stress into your life that you've never experienced before. It's brought about certain loss. Some of you may have lost family members, friends to the virus. And some of you may have, may have lost your job and you're grieving that fact. And some of you may not even realize that because you've lost your old way of life, your freedom to travel, your freedom to interact, your freedom to show your face without wearing a mask, that you are actually going through a grieving process. That your soul has been affected, your soul has been injured. And you not realize that. But this morning, I want to assure you that God wants to restore your soul. God wants to bring holistically restoration, healing to the soul that's been injured. You know, Psalm 23 is a very comforting psalm. It tells us of a God who is right there beside us, right in front of us, and guiding us behind us. But do you realize that right before Psalm 23, it was also another very famous psalm that Jesus himself quoted. Will you turn with me to Psalm 22? I'm not going to read the entire psalm, but I'm going to read the first two, and you will know where Jesus quoted this psalm. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Does it sound familiar? Of course, Jesus quoted this psalm when he was nailed on the cross. When he felt he was forsaken by his father, 
The cries that he cried was actual words from the scripture written by King David when he went through a time where he himself felt forsaken. But maybe those words resonated deep down with your soul. That during this time, because you've lost the freedom to come to church to worship, to interact with people that you, you trust, that you've been separated from the community that supported you all these years. For some of you, it's been 10, 20 years where you've relied on this community support, and all of a sudden it's gone, and you're by yourself. And there's a lot of things that you've suffered over this month that you've at times cried out to God and says, My God, my God, have you forsaken me? Some of you, because of the stress of being locked in the house with a spouse that you haven't really worked on your relationship with for, for years, and now you may have reached a point where you're going to go separate ways. Or some of you may be dealing with children that that they themselves are going through distress and you're going through stress because of your work and it's soured your relationship further that maybe today you're not on talking terms anymore. Or some of you have lost all your savings in the, mo in, in the short span of seven months due to various reasons. Or if you lost your business that you've spent so many years investing your heart and soul into building and it's gone. Have you cried in the middle of the night and feel that God has not heard you and you couldn't sleep and couldn't rest? And that is the context of Psalm 22. The psalm that's right before Psalm 23. And seemingly, the Scripture is going to tell us it is in the darkest night, the deepest sorrow that God wants to give us Psalm 23. And this morning, for those of you who are hurting, whose soul has been injured, I would like to remind you that God wants to and can restore your soul. So I ask that you listen with me as God speaks to us through Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A lot of us, as we read Psalm 23, we take it as a comfort of our life on earth. And indeed, the Lord says, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to be there beside you. I've got you. But God reminds us in Psalm 23 that this is not the end. He says, this is not life as I expected it to be, as I designed it, as I wanted for you. Life is more. Life shouldn't end 
understand that those of you who've lost people you love now or before, God is saying that is not the plan. Life eternal was the plan with me in this loving relationship with one another. But the key thing that I want to talk about this morning is that God wants to restore our soul. But what is the soul? What is it? What does it mean when God says He wants to restore our soul? In Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus Himself mentions this idea in the context of love. Would you turn with me to Matthew 23, verse 37? Matthew 23, verse 37. Jesus quotes and, and mentions the soul. In fact, he quotes from two Old Testament passages as he speaks here. Jesus says that in 23, verse 37, before he foretold the destruction of the temple, he speaks and he says that, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophet and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wing, and you were not willing. He says that during the time of trouble, God is not trying to leave us alone. God is not trying to ignore us. God is not trying to abandon us. But he says he's like a hen that's trying to gather the chicks under his wing. But the problem is, the problem is, you and I, we're not willing. We don't want to be gathered under His wings. So it's an it's a action that we've chosen to make in the abandoning of the protection of God and not receiving it. And there's two, two verses that he quotes in another part of Matthew. Let me turn to Leviticus 19 verse 18. First five books of the Bible, all Jewish boys and girls have to memorize it. And he goes on to say, in Leviticus 19 verse 18, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he says one of the, the action of a person whose soul is restored is that he or she no longer holds grudges or wants to bear vengeance on their enemy. And instead, performs the act of loving them. I don't know what's happened to you during these past few months. I don't know who's your enemy right now. I hope it's not your family members. But maybe this person is your friend. Maybe this person is somebody you know and trusted and you felt betrayed during this time. And you've held on that I want vengeance. I want this person to suffer. I want this person to, to, to pay back whatever this person has done. And the scripture challenges. It's a really incredible and difficult challenge to say that if you want your soul to be restored, you have to take the action of receiving love. And if you receive love, you will have to act out in love of your neighbor. It's not easy. It's, it's quite impossible in my opinion. Now turn me to the next verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Deuteronomy, 
last of the Pentateuch, last of the first five books. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And here, it's very easy to read this in English and, and equate the heart, the soul, the mind, the strength to be three equal parts of a person. But if you look at Hebrew, what it actually says is that you must love the Lord from the bottom of your heart. And what that means is the heart equals to the soul and strength. And Jesus later on adds in the New Testament, your mind. I think as Christians, we struggle with one thing. A lot of us, a lot of us think, a lot of us think that if we understand a certain truth in the Scripture, we have accepted it intellectually, we have done it. The fact that we accept and understand, and especially in our church, in the Adventist church, there's a lot of knowledge that we seek to know about the Scripture. And the Bible seems to suggest that knowing itself is only one part of accepting. That we think that because I could teach in Sabbath school, I could explain a profound doctrine, I could tell people about whatever the Scripture is teaching about a certain truth that I have believed it and I have accepted it means I have done it. But the Scripture says that the mind and the strength, the action and the soul are three separate parts. That the mind in understanding intellectually a certain truth from the Scripture doesn't mean that the soul has been doing it or the strength has been acting it out. So again, the question, what is the soul that God wants to restore? It's very clear from the Scripture that knowledge that we know today in our society is not the knowing in the Bible. And what God wants to restore in our soul to complete us, we think it's an emotion. We think it's a feeling. We think that we don't feel sad. We don't feel angry anymore. We don't feel hurt. That is a restoration of my soul. So many times when somebody reads Psalm 23, they read it in their context that they've been hurt, they've been injured, God comforts them, and that's the restoration of the soul. But that is not what the soul means in the Bible. It's related, firstly, to this idea that knowing is not knowing. Our knowledge is not knowing. Memorizing the whole scripture, knowing the entire tonality fundamentals, know every lesson study that has ever been printed, that's not knowing. That means your mind is loving God, but your strength and your soul has not received restoration yet. Biblical knowing is very strongly tied to experiencing. So it, it is a feeling, an emotion, but the healing is not just a personal individual experience only. It's a, something that you put into practice you put the Word of God that you know into, you claiming that and you trust and you walk in that experience and you experience the truth in your life personally in reality. What, what does that mean? It means, first of all, you've got to ask yourself this question. A lot of the things that I'm doing in life, a lot of the actions that I perform, 
we have to first understand that every sin that have been we've experienced or we've done, you know, all the, the hurting of the soul that we've experienced in our life is because of sin. The virus's existence, COVID-19 exists because of sin. If there was no sin, there'd be no virus. We have to accept that. And from that bigger framework of COVID-19, the pandemic, the things we're doing to one another, the, 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 the hurt we're causing one another, the distress, the pressure, the, all these things are results of somebody else's sin upon our lives or our own sin in acting upon others' lives. So you have to first ask yourself, when you experience this injury of your soul, what are the drivers? What causes you to experience those things? Ask yourself, why do you do what you do? In affecting somebody else? Or in being in that state of sadness? If you never ask yourself why, you will not find the answer. Because ultimately, I would like to state today that all the injury to our soul today is us trying to claim control over our own lives without God. You're trying to control your circumstances. You're trying to control your relationships. You're trying to control your emotions. You're trying to control your feelings. You're trying to use your own ability and strength and might to resolve the conflicts you're experiencing. And as long as you continue with that approach, your soul is going to continue suffering. The soul is actually the being of a person. We like to explain a lot of things scientifically, but the scripture, when it talks about the soul, is when the mind and your action and your emotion are all coming together into one experience called life that is empowered by the breath of God, that you realize every day as you're living, as you're breathing, is something that God is giving to you. And you realize that your soul, the sustenance of your soul, the completion of your soul, the maintenance of your soul, the restoration of your soul, is not by removing the life circumstance. Because in Psalm 23, it's very clear that Jesus says that the restoration of your soul is done as you walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness. God at no point removed the valley. God at no point removed the darkness. But what he's saying that is that you allow Jesus into your life as you walk through the valley of the shadow. Have you been trying to walk through the valley by yourself? And you say, God, come in. But when God really says, I want to come in, you say, no, 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 no. Can you, can you don't come in? When God tries to say, hey, why don't you try and claim this promise from the Scripture and live your life holding on to that, that promise, you say, God, I don't think that works. I think that, that you know, is a good idea for the when my life is better. You know, it's amazing that people claim the promise of the Scripture in two extremes. When they're at rock bottom, when they have nothing to hold on to, or when their life is so good, it doesn't really matter. 
But God is saying you claim the promise wherever you are continuously. Day by day is there where the restoration of your soul happens. It's when you walk with me step by step through life itself. You know, the Bible defines the valley of shadow of death. That is life. Entirely. Because after that, it says you go to life eternity. Do you realize the, the Bible's comments about life? It says life in itself is a shadow and it's a darkness, it's a valley. If you're trying to look for the good in life as you walk through it, God is saying that's not where it's found. But what you can get is my presence as you walk through life itself. So how do we experience this restoration of the soul? One word I'd like to encourage you to try, and that is practice. What do I mean by practice? You know, uh, my son is learning to speak. He's just two years old and a little bit, and he's, he's trying to join words together to form sentences, and it's really interesting. Like, the way he pronounced stuff is like, I really don't know how people who are not parents understand other, pe- other kids. You know, early childhood education teachers are amazing people. Because for me and my wife, right, when Lucas says something, we know it because we've heard him say it so many times in the context that we've heard it. And we're like, ah, it means that. It means that. You know, and for us, because of our family, certain words are spoken in certain languages. So there's some word that's in English, some word that's in Chinese, some word that's in, I don't know what it's called. And it is, so we understand that, but we don't say, Lucas, you're saying the word wrong, so you should shut up. It sounds bad. Then my son will never speak. Personally, I, I, learn, I love learning languages. And in fact, I tell people the story that I learned Cantonese by being laughed at for one whole year by my Hong Kong housemates. It's by continuously voicing it out and, and letting them laugh at my mispronunciation that my pronunciation can be corrected and saying it properly. It's embarrassing. It is difficult. It is hard. But the fact is, all those words that you say in your brain and when you speak it out sounds different. And so is Christian life. It sounds very different from what you think your life can be like if you claim the promise and when you actually try it. And the fact is, when you first try it, it's going to be bad. It's not going to work. You're going to go through at least four stages of having your soul restored and walking with God in a way that God intends for it to be. First of all, you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know where you're not relying on God in the, in the feeding of your soul. You still unaware. You feed your soul through your own means, your own ways. You don't even realize you're doing that. That's the first stage. And in the second stage, you, after today's sermon, maybe you're consciously trying to find out why do you do what you do and why the things that's causing you hurt and harm, you ask yourself these questions and you are conscious that the areas of your life where you're not allowing God to feed your soul and is draining the life out of you. That is the second stage. Then you need to go to the third stage where you are consciously competent, when you intentionally look for promises in the Scripture to, to answer the areas of your life where you're not relying on God to feed then you say, God, this is the part that I'm weak at. This is the part I don't know how to trust. This is the part that I feel like I'm not allowing you to, 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 to do your thing. I now intentionally practice consciously, try my best. Every time I face that situation, I'll claim your promise on that. Every time I face that situation, I'll claim your promise on that. And slowly, I learn to trust and, and, and wait. Instead of trying to fix a problem, I wait and see how you are trying to fix my problem. And I tell you, as you go along in this path of restoration, you reach a stage where there are areas in your life that before this, you've been 
not rely on God, that it now becomes this unconscious competency, that you rely on God to provide for that area of your soul without even intentionally realizing that you're doing that. And that's the growth, maturity, and change of a Christian that I challenge all of us to go through during this time. As we go back to stage phase three, move towards phase three of living life, let us also move towards phase three of our Christian life. That there have been restrictions and circuit breakers we've set in our life. We, we've not allowed God into a certain part to protect ourselves, but God says it's only by coming out and experiencing my wonderful providence that your soul can be restored into the full completion that I've designed for it to be. Let us trust and let us walk and let us move step by step towards that wonderful promise that He's promised us. Let me read. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If there's no other promise that you know you can, you can claim, today I'd like to at least give you Psalm 23 for the very first promise you can claim for your life.